that's a direct impact on my life, you know, and the, the, the food shortages they're saying, I don't know. How, that's a good question. How are you guys, are your grocery stores stocked? I mean, do you have all the food and all the products that you are used to getting or are you, or is anything disappearing? I see Dennis is typing. Um, I'd love to hear from Joe, but uh, uh, just as a, like a global perspective. Here, I, but, I can uh, hop but, on for a second. Yeah, um, please. Sorry, and I really enjoyed this, and I appreciate it, guys. I was driving with my kids, so I've twice, so I've got to pop it back on. But um, there, there's a lot of concern about meat uh, in the supply lines, which is really curious from a lot of angles. But um, yeah, the um, uh, biggest kosher provider. It, it comes out of New York that has been completely shut down. So kosher meat is out of a lot of Midwestern uh, grocery stores. Uh, the biggest, one of the biggest, um, another processing plant in South Dakota is shut down. Um, that had, they had like a, a ton of COVID cases and they shut down. Um, yeah, I, we've, there's been a lot of conversation in the grocery industry here about prices of meat going up. Um, uh, and, and that's just, that's just the processing plants. The actual farmer cattle farmers have been hit so hard. They can't afford to pay for feed basically. They, and, and they don't have anybody, they don't, they can't sell it in the way they're used to because all the processing plants have been closed down. So they're in like a shit and all storm the, right and now. I'm coming from the, so like we're a different set the supply chain like uh, doug works in the grocery industry i work in the restaurant industry so we're both at the end of that supply chain with all the restaurants being closed you're not selling that stuff absolutely yeah yeah we yeah they yeah i mean yeah I, one of my jobs is in a grocery store and they share so they share locally to or, or their sales of meat is like not what it would be normally anyways um but yeah a lot of processing plants have closed. A lot of conversation about meat prices going up. My dad's cattle farm, they're, he's basically going to sell out the whole operation because he, because of the cost has been just so bad um, because of the uh, feeding feeding cattle at this point. So, so can I ask, because yeah. that's, that's the concern for, that for me is like this, again, it's a consolidation of corporate power. So like him selling out his farm yep. is another small farmer loss another it's another win for the corporate oh sure absolutely and and, yeah. and we saw this happen in the 80s in the my, my family saw this happen in the 80s in the farm, farming industry and how that was consolidated uh with big big farm big farming i you know we watched tons of small farmers be put out of business um because of the land uh value um issues um but yeah uh no you're exactly right Ellen. Can, okay, if we don't, if you know you guys don't mind, I'd love to hear from Joe to get a global perspective. And obviously, Doug, you, you're you're in it. You would you would know great. Uh, you'd have some insights. I'd love to hear from both of you guys. Uh, I could just speak from being in the stores and shopping that there's no change in food. All the restaurants are still delivering with everything. And I was just out grocery shopping today. I didn't see any difference. I was at butcher shops, like produce stores, really no change. So on the meat front, my store tends to do a lot of more regional type stuff. And so it hasn't been affected by the, the giant, um, what Dennis was talking about, the, the plants that had to close because there, um, too many workers had 
contracted the disease. But what we experienced right off was when when things were hoardy, uh, it was really hard to have chicken in stock. So like like the toilet paper, the chicken was really tight for a while. It seems like I was really nervous for a while because it felt like the uh, the um, what do you call that? The supply chains were breaking. We were definitely straining them pretty hard. And so like one distributor delivers to a lot of like a lot of the stuff that we carry. This company called UNFI is like the one place that is the warehouse for that stuff. And they do Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and and co-ops and, you know, all the stores. Um, But uh, so for a while, it was really hard to get anything from them. But then once the demand settled a little bit, it seems like everything is. You know, we just moved into our new normal, which is bizarre, but, um, you know, slowly these shelves get more and more stocked up. And so it, it doesn't. So from your point of view, SJ, things keep getting less and less scary. I totally agree with you that uh, like we're at the beginning of something bizarre that's going to go on for a long time. But, um, you know, like nobody at my store got sick. Uh, not yet. And. Um, and it, and it feels like we're starting to open our city and location back up a little bit at a time now. So I think in a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to change our hours back to what amounts to normal. And Do you, have there, has there been conversation of keeping the sort of like, uh, elderly hours and things like that? Yeah. The elderly hours is going to keep that. It's going to keep it. And so we're required to wear masks at work and we're asking customers to wear masks. And I heard someone today say, oh, yeah, the co-op's the maskiest place in town. So, like, people appreciate how how serious we take the uh, the guidelines as far as, like, social distancing and um, just we're really trying to keep surfaces as, you know, clean as possible. So, like, high-touch areas we are using chemicals on frequently throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I'll be very curious to see, like, what my bar looks like when it does. So, like, in one respect, I think I'll we will be busy, like, when we reopen. I think everyone's been cooped up for a month or more, and everyone wants to fucking go out and have a drink. And I think, like... In that sense, my business could could come back strong, um, potentially, right? But the question of what does that even look like? Are you am I am I wearing a mask while I make your drink? You know, like uh, just to say, like, is that a thing? Am I? Um, you get used to it, Alan. It's bizarre, oh, but you'll sure. get used to. It. <laughs> well, I mean, like, my job is to like talk and smile at people a lot. So right. is mine. I, right. I know. Right. right. So like, uh, like my, I have a, cons- I, I don't, I don't care about wearing a mask. Like I'm fine with that. I think that's a good idea, but just like, I do have a concern of like Friday night when my bar is four deep and I'm like, like what, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's like, you're mostly like reading each other's lips. <laughs> I'm dreading the like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how that works. Um, Whatever, we'll, we'll come up with some systems. I don't, I, again, we'll see what I the fuck that was. I think they have I just want to say with the uh, uh, supermarket, 
I did go shopping on this past Monday, so a week ago. And I, the only thing that I really noticed that was out was I walked past like the bacon section and it was there was very little there like that. My whole like section was pretty picked clean. And um, again, I, that's that's a specific industry, but you, that was the only like real hole that I noticed that was like like a visible hole in the shelves. I heard hand soap is a little tight. Hands, yeah, hand soap was there was. Um, I guess again yeah, the the chemicals. Uh, I have not been able to find uh, rubbing alcohol anywhere. Yeah. This, yeah, this is what I see. Like, like, I mean, I'm hoping that um, things just are back to normal. But I, I mean, I think we're all going to feel like, oh shit, what is there another shoe to drop? I think there's been a trauma, a traumatizing feature to this, to the psyche, both personally and collectively. And that's what kind of I don't want to say maybe worries is the right word, but I mean that's just what I'm interested to see how that plays out. Like, how does the traumatized psyche function? in the in the in the following months and then maybe and and what is it susceptible to right like i feel like people are there's a real rawness and a woundedness right now that you know i'm hoping it just goes smooth you know trust me i really want that but you know i don't know i guess i'm just articulating my fears you know more than anything that that this is just you know we're primed, I think. There's a malleability that people are can to say, well, now you have to do this, or now you have to do this, or now we need to do this. And, you know, um, like you or someone was saying earlier, it doesn't seem like we'll be going back. And it feels like the reopenings now are sort of like, well, let's get back, you know. But, like, I don't think it's clear yet either what the forward is, or at least the bridge to the forward will be, because you can read, like I've pointed out a few times, like the MIT Technology Review and these white papers, like that they want basically Chinese-style systems in America. But how are you going to get from reopening now and wearing a mask to like that implementation? I don't think you can really get there right now. You know, like more would have to happen to get to go there because people aren't going to go for it. You know, so. That's just what concerns me. I don't know. I don't want to be a downer or, or you know. <laughs> but I, I'm just nervous about it all. I think I'm traumatized personally, frankly. And, I, and, I want, and I, I'm really craving just getting back to some kind of normalcy in this community. If you want to just hug a stranger. <laughs> I wonder how this is all going to affect a new awareness of intergenerational um, tension. Like, no. That all the that boomers didn't die, I think. Just, is that what you mean? I don't think anyone ever really thought of the idea that there could be a threat from a younger generation, but like, 
oh yeah, we're going to be immunocompromised relative to anybody who's in the two successive generations below us. And so our political affiliations and everything concerning our safety, you know, financially, politically, all of this now suddenly has to consider the fact that our enemies, not just other nations or other peoples or even diseases or terrorists or anything else, but now it's our next generation of people who can be lobbying for policies in the future that would allow us to, to die or have to live a certain way. You know, actually, maybe that was something that was a little bit more on people's mind back during conscription, but certainly in, you know, the last 40, 50 years, it hasn't been. Well, I, at the risk of going anywhere near politics, I just want to say I am shocked that is the older generation, right? It was this whole like, oh, there was, you saw this divide, the whole like, okay, boomer meme and shit like that. Where it's like, there's this divide and then suddenly there's this disease that attacks this older population. But what's totally. bizarre, what's really bizarre is it's the younger people who were healthy enough who were saying, hey, let's vote in the left-leaning, let's, let's get the universal health care and shit like that. And it's the older people who were actually susceptible to that shit that were voting against. Like it's that, that, again, I don't want to go into too po political, but that's really bizarre to me that I, there was an age divide, but seemingly almost, almost like counterintuitively how they were aligned. Does that, right. that make any sense? Yeah, for sure. What about the idea of like the left, so-called left, calling for like an elongated lockdown? Um, that to me is really interesting too, because it seems like you have to have a robust economic support for workers. Like you can't have both. Like you'd have to simultaneously say, shut it down and then pay people money to stay away from work. And I'm not really seeing like that as connected as I would hope. You know, and it's and a lot of times the older folks seem to be more like open it up. And then the younger folks are like, well, no, the virus, I'm afraid, shut it down. That whole dynamic is also strange because you would think that maybe you would want to resist the government. You were pointing this out earlier, Alan, like the left is kind of like resist Trump. But now he you want Trump to shut it down more. And Trump is anti-government while he's leading the government. It's just so strange. It's so strange. You see what I'm saying, Trump? Yeah, oh yeah, I know. It's maddening to watch. It's like watching a fucking poorly scripted insanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's like, resist Michigan, or what did he say? Overthrow your, you know, I mean. Liberate, yeah. yeah. Liberate Michigan. Fuck. Liberate Virginia, right? That's your state. He said that about Virginia. He did say that about Virginia, yeah. Um, I got some things to make note of here. Sure, please. You know, talking about how we normalize our situations, I just don't think it can ever be overly stated how we've normalized our quality of life and the abundance. <clears throat> well, evidence hasn't happened in a while. The abundance that we live in and it's just kind of mind blowing that we can spend prolonged periods of time in our houses and still be sustained, you know, and still have food delivered or even just have enough food in our house or with our neighbors that not only are we fine, but like we're thriving. 
like really think of like just a hundred years ago, you know, if you don't work for a week, I mean, your whole family could die. And when you just mentioned moments ago, like how funny it is that Trump is like the leader and he's saying he's anti-government and that we're just kind of living in bizarre world where like everything seems to be progressively becoming more hilarious. And sometimes I think about how like we're so desensitized to how easy we have it compared to all previous generations. Like it's just infinitely more easy to live now. And maybe especially in the last 20 years that I think like the only direction things are going to take is it's just going to get more and more hilarious, like just more funny. Like think about the situation going on in the world right now. I mean, even though there's a lot of ugliness with deaths and sure COVID is scary for people and the rising threat of tyrannical governments and all this. I mean, for sure, I'm not saying that there's nothing scarier to be worried about, but on the whole, I would say there's never been a time where there's more hilariously strange things going on in big offices and on a global scale that in the past have been more serious and more dark. Um, that's at least my experience of things. And I think in the next decades, it's just going to continue to get like that just because life is so relatively easy. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, uh, Joe, about the Biden. Have you seen this whole thing about the corn pop? And he's like, they're talking about little kids rubbing the hairs on his leg. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. it just made me think of that. It's like, like, that is so hilarious. Biden is so fucking hilarious. I'm sorry. It's like, I, it's every time I watch a clip, I'm laughing out loud. I'm like, this is, this is better than any parody, any comedy, anything I've ever seen in, in terms of a, a political candidate. So just to yeah, that's what I'm it. saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You said comedy. Like the world stage right now is like a big comedy, and we're even desensitized to like the nature of how good we have it, that we can even look at the, the, the great life we have and say that there's tragedy going on, but really it's not. It's just, it's, it's all really just hilarious. And, and even relative to how desensitized we, we are to it, we're still looking at the world stage and being like, this is just a great big comedy. It's, it's just so fucking hilarious. I mean, you don't really have to look any further than Trump. Yeah, so I mean, that's just it. It's like you watch Trump will say these absolutely ridiculous statements, which make like it's so it's literally like the sound bites from Biden or Trump, depending on maybe which side you're on, or I don't know. I, I definitely see the ridiculousness on both sides, but you can literally take uh, three sentences in a row that this person said make that the meme and that's it that's all the joke you need this is what this person right. said isn't that fucking laughable and it's like well these are our two choices for fucking president um <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh yeah I, you could just see these like one minute videos of like here's biden answering the most basic fucking question losing his way a third of the way through starts to say something else and and then just goes like but enough about that <laughs> holy shit holy shit um he anyone have any uh feeling oh go ahead go ahead yeah. i was saying like the one video he just drops his head into his hands and goes oh i 
I better not say anymore. Oh, right. dropped his head down into his hand. It's like this is the like the the the, the um, paragon of leadership, of masculine leadership. You know, and I, by the way, I'm yeah. Trump is hilarious too. I just from like the the Biden cognitive decline thing is just so pronounced that that's really got me laughing. And I don't mean to make fun of an old man, but just it's more funny that that has been presented as someone that should be virile and and strong you know that's that's yeah that's really cognitive decline is not uh is not a laughing matter but joe biden doesn't deserve any real sympathy either so pitch pick and choose you know some some entrance into that conversation but um it's it's yeah it's 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 a fucked up thing but it's so apparent um speaking of uh fading fading leadership and this this uh sj this plays into what i've been trying to get at with the whole um king kill cycle and which really you know is older than that is is connected to this idea of um like the fisher king and things like that the, the basically the, the king is sick and that the the land that the, the kingdom suffers the same illness as the king um and so in a sense we're all either batshit crazy or declined cognitively. Um, but uh, what about King, Kim Jong? Anyone have a sort of feeling about how that would play into this? Well, the Rodman thing is, I think, instantly of humor. I've been, I saw pictures just that have been around the internet the last day or so of, like, Dennis Rodman as the... Um, you know, he's the the guy hanging out with a, a the head of a of a state. He's the guy that's like the the kind of um, uh, the fact that let me put it this: the fact that Dennis Rodman would be involved in like statecraft on any level, it, it's just it's insane. It's just you know, I mean, I like Dennis Rodman, but I mean, if you've heard him interviewed, I mean, you wouldn't ever think that he would be involved in that kind of you know, interchange, that kind of exchange. So, anyhow, just along the lines of funniness, that's what came up for me, you know. Well, yeah, right now, Dennis is kind of forefront on Netflix because they just released that Last Dance documentary that's, maybe you guys aren't plugged into it, it's a sports basketball documentary, but it's, it's huge right now. And Dennis is basically the main character, one of the main characters, so... Interesting yeah, time. Please talk about that. I don't. I would love to know. So, of course, like Joe, you know, I'm so I'm not a sports guy, but I, uh, I, for me, on my sort of more modern timeline, this modern situation that I'm experienced that I've been tracing, 2019, 2020 pattern starts with Zion Williamson. Right. Um, we have the Kobe Bryant. So, like, there's this sort of weird um, emphasis on this these basketball players. I would love to know more about the documentary that's out right now and like sort of even from a propaganda standpoint or a sync standpoint or anything just totally i'll just do it real quick so uh obviously there's super popular things going on on netflix and last one i think was the tiger king and the most recent one is the last dance because it's about that chicago bulls dynasty made all the championship runs and starred michael jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. So that's like the big thing on Netflix right now. And it's huge in the sports world because everyone's been waiting for it. Um, Because basically the tapes 
that are the material for the documentary, Michael Jordan basically has been hiding them in a vault for 20 years, I think. And then he finally released them uh, when LeBron James last won a championship in Cleveland. And so everyone's been waiting on this documentary to come out and now it's huge and very popular, but they actually released it specifically for Corona. So they moved up the release date because everyone's at home and there was kind of like this big thing on ESPN and everyone's signing petitions. Like, let us, let us at least watch the last dance while we're sitting at home with no basketball and no sports. So yeah, it's interesting also because Kobe Bryant was apparently working on a documentary similar to the last dance of his own because he had producers follow him around for the last two years of his career. So he had all types of footage that he was compiling. And I just, I personally find it interesting because I was following the, you know, Kobe's Corona thread with his name being COVID and, and he's buried in Corona and the syncs with that. And so he was going to make a documentary similar to the last dance. And now it comes out during Corona. And then the whole uh, Kim Jong-un thing with Dennis Rodman is, you know, definitely interesting because the documentary is about, Dennis, Scotty Pippen, and Michael Jordan. It's about those three, basically. So, to, and obviously, Kim Jong Un and Dennis Rodman are like tied at the hip as far as the global media is concerned. Like in America, you think Kim Jong Un, you think Trump and Dennis Rodman. And uh, you said this is all focused on their Chicago Bulls years. Uh, it's only on the Chicago Bulls years. Yeah. Okay, so Let's... didn't we just didn't we just transition into Taurus? Yeah, I actually, just, yeah, yeah. The sun just moved into Taurus a few days ago. We had a new moon. The last, the last, the last syzygy was a new moon in Taurus. Yeah. So that's that's interesting for sure. Um, but yeah, so yeah, just just to say the shift, the shift in sort of like, um, even like the animal totem is just explicit. That we're like literally that that if that was if that's the subject is talking about this bull. The, the energy of this bowl. Yeah, and I guess not to get too loose with it, but you could talk, you know, the stock market and the bull market and what's going on right now. And I don't know about, you know, Rodman's number was 91, which I've been thinking about in terms of, you know, COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I wanted to ask because this is this when I was in China this fall, there was this is when there was a big row about uh, Daryl Morey came out. I mean, and said just for people that don't know, he was he spoke out against China because this was around the time of the Hong Kong protests, and somehow it got into where the NBA locker rooms they were asking the players, and I don't know exactly the origin yep. of that, but. You know, my students were like coming up to me and, and it's huge in China, by the way. I mean, it is the sport. There's nothing. It's the NBA and nothing else. And everybody plays basketball in China, all the kids. And um, in the mall where I worked, there, there was a massive LeBron James uh, poster. So he's really big there. Um, and then Clay Thompson is really big there. He's huge in China. Um, and Allen Iverson, oddly. There was like a bunch of Iverson stuff that I saw. Um, but it was so hilarious because LeBron James, um, he took a lot of flack because he was, he, what did he say? Something like, um, I don't think Daryl Morey fully understands the situation. <laughs> but, yeah, he said, and, we, he said, we have free speech, but to an extent, because you have to uh, 
take into account how your free speech affects the spiritual, physical, and mental health of other people. So be careful when you open your mouth. Wow. Wow. It's profound. I mean, um, but, but now I mean, that is Chinese... what you said earlier about the power of your words. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely I... true. He was saying in a political context. And I mean, I just to, I just want to say, like, I think he's right in the sense that when you're in like when I was in China, I didn't say I just respected them. And I knew that if I said certain things, it would trigger them and they would be angry, like it would trigger a negative feeling. So I wouldn't talk about you're told when you go there, don't talk about the three T's, Tibet, Taiwan or Tiananmen. You just don't mention it. So I never did. Um, but, you know, this LeBron thing, it just strikes me now that we've moved into covid the COVID reality, or the, the COVID world order, or the, I think that's or the coronavirus world order, whatever. Um, and this, this China-America Cold War is clearly part of this. Like, how is LeBron and, the, and how will the NBA in particular navigate this new kind of dynamic? I'm just really fascinated to see what, how that all unfolds, because I imagine there's going to be more opportunities for players to talk about China in particular and they asked being asked about it um or maybe they'll just yeah stop that. well like you know in the nba I, I don't know if you know this but i played in the nba um for a few years so in the nba they do a really good job of bringing everybody in under one umbrella of uh talking point narratives that they're going to say to the media so that's why you find that they all basically say the same things because when a big issue comes out like the China thing and the Hong Kong thing that came out and the Daryl Morey thing, they basically have meetings all across the league and they say, this is what you say to the reporters. And this is the stance that we take as a league. And so, yeah, like you said, their stance was that they support China and that, you know, NBA loves China is basically the message that they were giving all reporters when they were questioned about it because the reporters were trying to get political with it. They were like, well, you understand that, the protesters in Hong Kong are basically fighting for their individual liberties, which is, you know, an American foundational principle. And the players' responses to that, at the time at least, was, well, you know, we don't know anything about that. We're not concerned with it. We just support China. You know, <laughs> it was really hilarious <laughs> to watch. <laughs> you know, they didn't have, they didn't know anything about it. They were just like, no, we love China. Like, we really love it there. They, they treat us well whenever we go and we love Chinese people and, so it was funny, but I, I also thought it was interesting because uh, the NBA was kind of like the catalyst as they were the first major like public venue or like Goliath that shut down because of COVID. And I really think that as far as the shutdown timeline goes, it kind of starts with the NBA. There was a lot of buzz about what's going to happen and our borders going to shut down or our public area is going to quarantine. And once the NBA shut down, everything else started going within I think a week or so. So yeah. I do think there is some connection there and yeah, it's definitely interesting. And, and the French player, uh, Rudy Gobert, he came down first, right? So it was kind of a, I feel like a global, I mean, yeah, that is fascinating. The NBA was at the center of it all. I mean, it's, and, and, and it will be, I mean, you know, it's positioned because of the popularity that, I mean, I guess the NBA will be kevin Dur i just saw a meme it was like um <laughs> it showed kevin durant smiling 
and then it was like once Cardi B came out and said that famous people are being paid to come down with Corona or to announce they came down with Corona. <laughs> and then it showed Kevin Durant like this meme with him smiling. I'm not even I'm not making any specific accusation. I just think that was funny yeah. that you could have like someone so powerful like Durant or these posit that like they were or even Tom Hanks. I think it relates to this broader issue of like uh, the messaging and we t- what we talked about earlier of like COINTELPRO in the, um, I imagine if there is a COINTELPRO operation, that it would have to reach into professional sports at this point, right? Because it's so, I mean, it's not even, um, it's not even, it's so valuable. It's just too much money. It's like the gambling, the Donahue, that book by Donahue. I mean, you know, I don't know if you probably are, are way, read all that, but I mean. Yeah, the referees. Yeah, the referee. It's just so much money that, you know, and and don't they say, oh, this was this was interesting along these lines that on the tickets, you're buying the ticket. They're not making a promise to run a fair match. They're just making a promise for entertainment. And I think there's been some lawsuits, whether it's the NBA or the MLB, where the fixing like you're basically signing those rights away and it's on the back of the ticket, apparently. And so, anyhow, anyhow it's, bread and circuses is the, is the idea here. And But in terms of how it fits into corona and politics, I just think it's really interesting. And the last thing I want to say is, like, Muhammad Ali, you know, if you juxtapose people like LeBron James and others to, like, Muhammad Ali and some of the leaders during that time, when he was like, put me in jail, I'm not going to fight, you know, free black people, freedom, and, and the risks, you know. And then LeBron... You know, is he taking risks or it just feels a lot more calculated and kind of aligned with, with the political uh, ruling class? Mohammed Abdul Raouf is the last one I can think of that really took a hit politically where he didn't stand up and, you know, but. This was the flack that LeBron was taking was specifically pertaining to Muhammad Ali, actually. I think there were a lot of memes showing them juxtapose each other and look what this basically accusing LeBron of being a shill for China and, and all the rest of the players as well. And I mean, they were right, and they are right. But um, just as a side note, I don't think it's these players' responsibilities to be you know, politically plugged in, and you know they are doing a job. You know, it's not like they're activists. So, so Joe, can I ask? I I I, I did try and ask this before. How is Rodman portrayed in the documentary that you're talking about, the, the big documentary right now? Like, is, is he portrayed favorably or is he portrayed as crazy or I'm just really curious both. about it. both. Oh. He is a, he's a favorable public figure on account of his craziness and zaniness. Like he's basically a, a clown, you know, he, he cross dresses, he's particularly violent and outlandish, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's constantly like, he looks like a modern day rapper back when having like a single tattoo made you an outcast. Right, right, right. Oh, you know, I remember, I remember. Piercings of, yeah. yeah. You know, he's portrayed very favorably, you know. But he is portrayed as crazy. Oh, completely crazy. Yeah, yeah that's what I figured. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, I see that, Ellen. You, you've got, that's a really prescient Facebook message, man, where you say, it feels like watching a TV show heading for the season finale. Boy, I bet you didn't think it would be anything like a COVID-19 global shutdown. <laughs> no, no, no. Wow. 
Um, wow. But I still hold out that Warren has uh, some big role to play, and I don't know if it's in this election or if she, if like maybe like Biden's obviously set up to lose this election if she tries to run in 2024, if that's her strategy. But Warren has a big role to play uh, symbolically. Um, and I'll, I, I, I won't go too deep into it, but just even if you just think of, so for me, this is all affiliated with uh, Downard's work, uh, James, James Shelby oh, Downard's wow. uh, King Kill, and what has this come out of, but the the Warren Commission, things like that, uh, even like, so I don't know if you saw the video I made, the twenty Hindsight 2020 episode three, which shows how Trump is following the symbolic, you know, sort of flip of Obama. Well, if you think about in those terms, in the terms of lineage and and uh, aristocracy and all the sort of like weird royal themes that have played out in this, Trump questioned the purity of Warren's blood. Right. Like the whole thing was that she was Pocahontas. She wasn't she wasn't really. And he made her take that test and prove her heritage. That is literally like a test for royalty. You know, what I mean, like you have to have the blood that we're looking for. Um, symbolically, it would be so poetic to this narrative if she were to unseat Trump. So like he, he uh, Trump unseats Obama. Warren would unseat Trump. It would be poetically beautiful um and 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 to say obama taking over for bush was um there's 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 a there's there's a strange poetry to it strange poetry eh? i like that um it's intense wow sure is intense i mean the election um whether it's going to even happen or not. I mean, to me, that's an open end. I mean, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be at all surprising. It would just be like, oh, that's, that's, that's mild compared to what we've seen already this year. If they just say, well, we're going to delay the election or something like that. Maybe that's an understatement, but I mean, that would fit certainly with wild and crazy things happening, you know, um, or Biden being, being deemed unfit, you know, and having Warren step into his place. That certainly mm -hmm. would right. Uh, I've I've heard a lot of theories about that. Is that basically so? Warren, uh, so he, Biden says he's going to pick a woman, and then mm -hmm. that after they they're vetting who they want the woman to be, and this would be, and then they'll say, all right, Biden is totally out, maybe, whether through a sex scandal or through cognitive decline. And at the last minute, they'll say, well, she was his VP pick. She's now just our candidate. And um, there, I've heard a lot of theorizing. From, of that from the left, uh, uh, like the, the media outlets there are sort of focused on this. I, I mean, any other year, yeah, they just set Biden up to lose. He fails. I think what they'll do, so my, my, like, this is like my very, no, no more craziness, no more COVID absolute craziness. If you just do the script as normal, and, and then by this is a, not a sync script, but a political script, you set Biden up to fail, you'd have enough of a question of, coronavirus makes will make it hard to vote so we're going to do mail-in voting there'll be all this controversy about trump wants to shut down the post office oh it's hard to do mail-in voting are they accurate are they not there'll be this whole debate trump wins then the left gets to say trump stole the election we biden wasn't that bad remember it's the same thing clinton it's not that clinton sucked it's that it was russians whatever so we're going to say hey biden lost but it's not because the strategy of supporting 
a bullshit candidate like Biden is the problem. The problem is simply that Trump stole the election through these voting situations. Um, so they get to be angry for four years, and then in four years they can be like, now it's our turn. Uh, AOC. AOC is coming. Well, I mean, yeah, she's, certainly, she's certainly playing the game. She's certainly playing the game, but I... I but, uh, you know, I think she's like a. She, I think she played that game a little poorly, though, because she's now a career politician. She's going to lose whatever. Like, a Sanders only gets to be a Sanders because he's consistent. A Ron Paul gets to be a Ron Paul because he's consistent. AOC can still become a power player, but she's lost the the the, the, the sort of support of the people. I think she's pretty transparently sold out a lot of her early ideals. So. Yeah, and you know her uh, gematria adds up to nineteen. <laughs> so, no, oh, interesting. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just yeah, we can. Yeah, AOC equals is a nineteen thing. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be wild, man. And and if you recall, and I wanted to mention this earlier because it's I think it's part of your timeline. Um, it would start in 2016, but WikiLeaks and the Podesta emails and PizzaGate are is certainly. I mean, it's totally. hugely important. Yeah, sorry, just to say, in my updated version, I do have Pizzagate, which is 2016. Um, but do I have a date here? Um, WikiLeaks technically starts in 2010. So I just, yeah, I meant the WikiLeaks release of the Podesta emails. Oh, is, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, not, not to all WikiLeaks. Yes, yes, yes. Got you. But I Wik totally understand but, what you but, mean, yeah. But, I mean, remember, that happened in October, I believe. The election was a month later. And so we're just getting, like we were saying earlier, this is the opening innings. If you set COVID aside, let's assume we're going back to normal. You know, life just, we wear a mask, everything back to normal, um, which I doubt, highly doubt. But let's assume that. There's Panama Papers, yeah, um, Dennis is saying. But, you know, we're in an election year where the last cycle in 2016 was so insanely wild. I mean, Hillary Clinton collapsed on 9-11 remember that that video and then it was mm -hmm. like it just every day was these big heavy hits like those debates with trump bringing uh, uh the accusers and the sex scandals and i mean like this is just gonna ramp up and get and and, and now we've got a demented joe biden you know i, I mean like what's kind of like i guess what i'm saying is i wouldn't be surprised to see explosive fireworks of all kinds coming out and um the terror that that thing you were talking about earlier that's just that's that's now coming out i mean what else do they have you know another biden accuser another trump accuser um you know so it's just going to be super intense along these lines um for sure and i mean it's like get your popcorn like talk about talk about entertainment i mean get your popcorn ready because i can't imagine and, and, and this is the thing, like, will they want to prevent that by, is COVID, like, how much of a cover is COVID for what otherwise would be wild and crazy thing? Like, does COVID pacify that? Does it put a dent, does it dampen that somewhat? Because we've got to unite to, to, to solve the virus and work together. So I don't know, but um, it's definitely, I mean, yeah. I'm just I, don't, I feel like if they were united, it's interesting because like, I feel like Biden is so quiet His can't because he, he's so bad in interviews. So they're just basically like keeping him basically quiet. 
Um, but he'll just occasionally come out and say like little insults. But yeah, maybe it is that like wartime president. You know, like can you how much can you question him or how much are you playing politics? So I think if once the country is quote unquote reopened in the next month or so, then that that conversation changes because it's all going to be about the fallout of like either the right right wing saying hey you made us shut down you killed our economy over a disease that wasn't really that bad or the left saying um you know you took chances with all these people's lives and and 60,000 Americans died on your watch because of you know and I think that'll be the the most obvious just political thing for the next few months yeah, and what about the like the bailout? Because that's another thing that yeah. they say it's four times the 2008 bailout, and both they didn't do a vote, so you don't even know who voted. But apparently, it was pretty uniform. Both the Democrats and the Republicans sure. united, you know. And so, this is what I think is in terms of like the left. Just to go back to what we were talking, the real left, let's just say the true left, like people that are you know that wouldn't support Biden. But for the I'm going to hold my nose, like people that hate Biden, that see through what he is, which is basically an oligarch, right, a representative of oligarchs, but that might consider voting for him. Like how many of those people are going to get angry? And as it comes out, just how complicit maybe some of these Democratic leaders have been. And, you know, that's what I'm most interested in seeing. I want to see a breakaway, like an Occupy Wall Street supercharged. And, and, and I, that's what I wanted to say earlier. I think a lot of that fracturing starting in 2012 was about um, preventing a united either labor or economic boycott protest movement. Because that's what is the only threat to the system or one of the bigger threats to the system. Hell yeah. SJ, if I may say, think about it. So Occupy Wall Street was what was 2011, right? So um, you got to figure this is during the Obama presidency, a sort of left-wing reactionary, like, hey, you guys are really, we're not happy. Not that they went against Obama, but to say, like, there was a still an in-the-streets protest from the, the, the same sort of side that was in office, which is, which is uncommon. I think that's worth noting. It's, 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 yeah. it's uncommon. If you're a guy's in office, usually you don't take to the streets. Um, so just to say, though, there was... I distinctly remember, again, at the same time, there is still the fallout of or the remnants of the Ron Paul sort of right wing libertarian people around the same time as Occupy. And like I, I went to both. I'm, I'm, fuck yeah. I'll, I'm, I will protest with the libertarians and I'll protest with the socialists because <laughs> shit's fucked up. <laughs> like, let's do something, right? Um, but uh, <laughs> the thing is, like, the sort of overlap of those things or where those things should overlap is really interesting to me. Um, and just to say, like, the fact that right now the only people were – the only political movement that is getting any press right now are Trump's people as these reopened protesters, right? It's the only – right now, if you watch the news, that is the only political movement in the country, is a there's a movement of people with AK-47s demanding that they reopen the the hairdresser or something. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, I actually I, I want to say I think that's really unfair. I, I did see there was a bunch of these photos of people saying I need a haircut, and I'm 
I am, at, and again, I'm not, not that I have meant much sympathy for some of these people, but to say I have no doubt that that's not someone's demanding. This, I, this, the narrative that, like, this is billionaires demanding you go back to work for them. I'm pretty sure those were hairdressers, people who either own hair salons or hairdressers uh, who were looking to not lose their businesses. Um, I don't think those were people demanding that other people go back to work and cut their hair. Uh, just, just to say, I, in that one particular example, because I see that photo, like multiple photos of someone saying, I need a haircut getting shared. And I think that's a really shitty um, perversion of what that person's sign means. I'm not saying if you agree with it or not. I'm just saying that's clearly not what that person meant. Um, I just, I, again, I just like accuracy of what we're talking about. Um, yeah, uh, so anyway, to say that that is the only like we went from uh, if you asked in December, the political movement in this country was a progressive movement behind Sanders, right? Like there was a big people donating tons of money and there was all this momentum for a left wing political movement behind Sanders. And now just a few months later, we all turn, you know, we flipped the lights on and off real quick. And now suddenly the only political movement is this right wing reopen the country movement i think there's we have we have yet to see how that plays out um yeah yeah but i i definitely feel like there's a that's a really shitty you know like if again it's like news cycle news you know people america runs on it and um i'm very curious to see if there are any quote-unquote left-wing activism resurgence in the next few months and um as much as i, I think, think it could, could, could necessarily be ugly i also part of me like really hopes i hope so i hope that people didn't just like don't just roll over um that'd be really sad to me if you know what i i mean either some sanders supporters will vote for biden and others will just demand that they'll, they'll never do it and do they just roll over and be angry about it on the internet or do they do some i again i just I, I don't know the answer to that at all but i i am definitely watching it um and just to s say you know, i think sj it was you earlier who agreed with me that amazon is a big player in this um i am hyper aware of the fact that uh, amazon is really quiet right now in in, in quiet i mean from a, a pr sense Right, and that's always Amazon's game. Hey, we're the, we're the biggest game in town. You can say what you want about us. We'll try and hush it up with some money here and there, but we're not going to like ever talk about it. Um, whereas all the other billionaires, they all have a presence. If you're, you know, um, you're Elon Musk, you're trying to be cool. Your whole, that's your whole idea is I'm really cool. I'm on your side, right? I'm science, and like I'm dating a rock star or something. Um, if you're Bill Gates, it's I want to. I want to be the leader of like THX 1138 future or something, um, whatever. If you're Jeff Bezos, you want to be the leader of the worst fucking dystopian, you know, nightmare of like slave labor and, uh, destroying the environment and everything. Uh, and in it's this, sorry to bother you, sorry to bother you. Right. Yeah. This is what Jeff Bezos is. It's what I forgot the name of that corporation, but that's what Jeff Bezos is. Mm -hmm. is. I mean, oh. that's flamboyant. But um, hey, and, SJ, now, I think I saw on Amazon there was something that said worry free, and I'm like, wait, what? 
because the company was called Worry Free. Oh shit! And 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 I think I don't know if it was Amazon directly or like a third party person, but like Worry Free Shipping or something. But just the to have that phrase anywhere near Amazon was really funny to me. I think they have Worry Free Shipping as a part of. That actually is. I'm going to Google that right now. Yeah, worry-free. Um, no, maybe I'd have to. There's a store on Amazon called worry-free. I would have to research. I think they have something like similar to worry-free shipping, another phrase they use. But it's exactly what I was thinking of, that company, and sorry to bother you. And by the way, Amazon, their stock has, by the way, if so you guys know, I mean, he's the richest man in the world by far because of the stock price and off the lows, the crisis lows from March, it's rallied 33%. It's like the, the, the best stock in the stock market. Yeah, it's up. It's up 15% from its all time highs from earlier in the year. And this I mean, they don't need to say anything because they just made millions, millions. I mean, all right. Check this out, though. Why the fuck would their stock rally? Because if anything, Amazon fumbled the COVID-19 situation, okay? And like, even like um, from a capitalist standpoint, uh, right? Hey, I've paid you um, this, you know, like if you go on Amazon to order something, it's like, hey, we'll get it to you when we get it to you. It doesn't matter if you're a prime member. It doesn't matter if you're this. Um, they're basically saying like, hey, we just can't handle this situation. So their, their response was, we can't really handle it. We're going to try and hire a bunch of people. We're going to shut down these unions. We're going to do all the all that sort of stuff. But they seemingly were not equipped to handle the situation that people would expect. Um, like, you know, basically they got a rush of orders for supplies. And then they had to be like, sorry, that's all cut off. Only these essential items would be shipped out and all these sorts of things. The fact that their stock is rallying shows, A, people... We're like, well, that's fine. We're, you know, we're we're accepting that we don't have sports on TV and we don't, we're not going to have a movie in the theater and all this sort of stuff. So, of course, Amazon can't ship it to me. That's fine. However, I sincerely believe that Amazon is positioning itself to essentially be the shipper, the post office, the FedEx, they whatever of the United States. That's really what they're trying to position themselves further and further towards. So literally as Amazon is quietly cracking down their employees and making these little situations and not talking publicly about anything, but suddenly there's this idea of, oh, you know, the post office just might, you know, we just might not be able to keep the post office when this is done, right? Like it's everything else we can bail out, but we're like post office, it just, it just might not make it. Like, that's the story. So if post office just doesn't quite make it, whether that's including the election or fallout from the election or any of these sorts of things, I expect Amazon to be there to uh, conveniently try and pick up the pieces of that. Because that the post office is being systematically destroyed by right-wing politicians, but I think with the idea of shifting that over to Amazon. Amazon's just waiting in, in the wings to grab it. Yeah, and, and this is something I wanted to say earlier that like the Trump nationalists versus the Jeff Bezos globalists, like I think a lot of that is just a kabuki theater. And when you pull up uh, the curtain, you have the people in Trump's camp like Kushner. Uh, he's an expert with big tech. He's worked with Silicon Valley to get Trump elected. 
and they're working together actually in the Trump administration. Bezos has representatives, all the Silicon Valley companies have representatives. And so I think that, um, you know, that, yeah, Amazon is clearly positioned to be the kind of corporate, um, the corporate, like, uh, it's this, it's this thing that, that America has done, uh, in our lifetime. It's like, there is no more government. It's just all corporations. And so, yeah, you have a first amendment, but all the speech is on this corporate platform and it's a private company. So you don't have it there. And that's where everything happens. Oh yeah. Um, you have the right to assemble. Oh, but not at the Amazon uh, mall. It's a private business. And so, yeah, if you want to go and that's where all the whole marketplace is. So you, but you can, so you have to scan in with the technocratic technology control grid. It's a private business, but yeah, you're, you don't, you know, you're free in America. You have rights to, to be, to exist without that, but not on their corporate kind of um, plantation that we're all going to be put on. And this is the other thing I was going to, I wanted to say, like Jimmy Dore, you guys should, if you're interested in like left movements, like he's the guy, he's a really good uh, commentator, but he had on the leader and this goes to sorry to bother you because it's all about a strike. Amazon, there was a guy that just tried to strike and he's trying to organize labor in the Amazon workforce and they just cut him out. I mean, these guys are ruthless. Like you think Rockefeller and the Pinkerton people were ruthless, like Bezos. Oh yeah. Now they shut him the fuck down. Yeah. But they got but a system what... now. They, they, uh, Amazon, cause Amazon also owns like whole foods and stuff like that. They've whole got foods. all these like metrics. So you're constantly like, Hey, we can predict which vocation is trying to unionize. Yep. They, that, like that's all, built into their algorithm of like their personality profiles of their employees to figure out who's trying to unionize where. Absolutely right. And so, but this is where it's all going to go. Cause at some point I believe that, I mean, there's going to be uh, at least some battles, let's say, I don't know if the labor will win ultimately, but there will be battles and Amazon is grounds is the battleground. Amazon. Whole Foods. Hey, Alan, Alan, have you been watching uh, um, Westworld at all? No, uh, no, I'm sorry. I haven't seen any of the new sh- I've seen the original <laughs> movie, but not the show. Oh, my God. Because that's the plot of, of uh, this current season. Um, Is what? Oh, uh, well, there's this guy who has control of this AI. And he goes, to, one of the scenes, he goes to uh, a leader in in. Uh, Brazil, and he's like, look, we have predictive algorithms that there's going to be a labor movement bubbling up in this region, and it's because you've been cutting side deals, and this can't happen, um, uh, if, and it's down the line. If you don't correct what you're doing, uh, we'll remove you immediately. Um, but yeah, it's it's so apropos of everything that I've heard you guys talking about many of the plot plots to this current season. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, the other thing too, like, it's really interesting. Like the only, the only piece of mail I've ever gotten from Trader Joe's was in the, in the midst of this, uh, um, COVID-19 thing, which was very small blurb about COVID-19. And then the rest of it was about, uh, labor unions tr- attempting to step in and really i honestly i'm i don't know if i have a horse in the race other than uh i'd rather not live in a worry-free world but uh it 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 was just interesting like it was all about potential unionization uh within uh certain markets of trader joe's so anyways 
presumably it was telling like you worked for Trader Joe's, right? Presumably it was like saying, "Hey, be aware, like like don't yeah. join," or is it? It's not saying like, "Hey, yeah, no, be aware." It was yeah. basically saying, "Look, they can promise you anything, but we're we're doing our best to take care of you. They're using the." the situation of COVID-19 as a means to drive a wedge, basically. I'm paraphrasing, but that was essentially what it was. And, and I, I actually, I have gone back to working there. I, I don't, I took time off, but I'm back there. So I, I, I still work there, but, but it's really interesting. It's the first job I've had in like, you know, a long time. So to be like, observe how the, a big corporation and in and, and people's attitudes towards it and such and and quickly changing in an environment where uh they had to like not, like they haven't instituted this yet but it's watch it's interesting to see the conversation creep towards it is like because uh, other companies are um testing your temperature apparently before you come in and i'm like i told the boss i was like I, I really don't like this. I don't know. I mean, he's like totally a nice guy, but I was like, look, this is, they haven't started doing it, but there's like chat that it might happen. I was like, look, this, if it goes to these certain levels, you know, I'm going to have a personal problem with this. And, you know, I don't know. Oh, that's normal in Israel, by the way. They test everyone's is it really? temperature everywhere. You oh, yeah. Oh. You can't go anywhere. They test your temperature. Any store you walk into, it's totally normal now. I heard that they do that in China too, but I don't know. But then again, yeah. is, is it effective? Like, does it matter? Like, sure, you definitely are exhibiting symptoms if you have a fever, but like, if you're if you're not exhibiting symptoms, you still can be shedding virus, apparently. So, right, if you're seven days into your fourteen, day, you know, it's like. All these sorts of questions, or you're, if you're asymptomatic, all these things. It's it's almost like it's the it's the airport um, scanners after nine eleven. It's the shoes. It's the yeah, shoes. It's like, Why the fuck hey, we take Here's one shoes. thing. Here's one thing we can identify and do, and that's what we'll do. <laughs> you know. And again, just just friendly reminder for everybody is the uh, how many. Uh, Congress people, senators had shares in the stocks of the companies that make those airport scanners, these super ridiculously expensive airport scanners that they made a ton of fucking money off that. Yeah, Michael Chertoff and others, yeah. 